Well, we're sort of in the holiday season-ish, and if you're able to get away, I hope you have a fabulously relaxing time. We're recording this on Friday the 13th, and it just suddenly occurred to me that talking to Dr Tom Waller, who makes us feel calm and coping with things, um, he might have some sort of idea about this because it I know it upsets quite a few people. So, Dr Tom, thank you so much indeed for joining us here on Siren Radio. Such a pleasure. As, as we were talking before the show, I'm calm and collected in the broom cupboard. So hopefully um, we can bring some great advice technology, to the audience. Technology being what it is, the best signal is in the broom cupboard. Um, now, the um, the thing about Friday, the th- this is in fact, and if you're listening to this on, on replay, you'll probably think, what are they talking about? This is the only Friday the 13th this year. Often there are two or three. And I can remember being in the BBC years and years ago. And one of my colleagues used on the beginning of the new year, which is when their leave chart refreshed, booked off every Friday the 13th because she felt something dreadful was going to happen. Now, I know you deal with other things, but that can actually have a, a bit of an effect on the mind um, and the heart and the soul if, if you allow it to get out of control. Yeah, I mean, what we focus on certainly does grow. Um, and even, even the most rational things can become irrational when we start to overthink them or complexify things that don't necessarily need that. And for sure, superstition can have a big play on people's lives. Um, you know, I'm the product of a, of a man who was born on Friday the 13th. So for me, it's a, it's a great day, but for some, it really can, can hold some fear and um, maybe some unnecessary superstition around it. And that's the problem. It, it's the what you think can happen rather than actually what actually happens. My, my sister was born on Friday the 13th, Friday the 13th of December. So I have no problem with it. And being a European, 13 in European countries often does not have any mystique whatsoever. I, I mean, there can be places in this country where uh, lifts don't have a 13th floor. They won't have a 13th um, room in, in a hotel. It, it can just get out of hand, can't it? It can. All those things sort of play into the hand of it becoming more of an issue than it really is. There's a great acronym for fear. Um, false evidence appearing real. F-E-A-R. <laughs> I love that. It's so often the truth. We, you know, we, we often, t- I think I've said this on one of your shows before, that the thought of doing the action is always worse than the actual act of doing it. Um, and the thought of a superstition is always worse than the actual being involved in it. Um and when our mind starts to, to race off on one, we can really start to in- increase that anxiety level. We put ourselves in a stress physiology, that fight or flight physiology, which reduces rational thought, uh, primes us for defense or primes us for attack, which means we're only focusing on a very, very short period of time right in front of us um, in- instead of being able to maybe lift ourselves up to 30,000 feet and look down on the situation and think, well, actually, it's not as bad as possibly I'm making out. Now, that's fascinating. Standing back and observing it from a different perspective can often change the way you see things and it change really a challenging situation and turn it into something that you can control. Yeah, one of the best is when we have conflict or when we have a, a standoff between us or a team member or a family member. Seek first to understand is one of my favourite sayings and that really does sort of put yourself in their lenses and see, see where they're coming from. One of the things that has happened this week, and uh, this may be unfair because I'm throwing it at you, but you will be aware that the A-level results and the O-level results have come out. 
a lot of fear running up to that occasion and hopefully a lot of joy for our younger listeners who are listening at the moment to Siren Radio um, after that as they get their grades. Um, that can add huge pressures, can't it, in, in that at 16 and 18, we really just don't need. Very true. Um, and GCSE is not O-levels, Andrew. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. That shows my age. I think they were better when they were O-levels. Thank you for ticking um, me off, Dr. Tom. I think I think it's harder for, for younger people because we have less skin in the game, don't we? We don't really understand the other side of a situation. Um, you know, and that's where it becomes very difficult because we build our expectations on outcomes from our past experiences. And if we've had limited past experiences or negative past experiences, we also then rely on other people's past experiences. And if the narrative around exams is, oh, what you're going to get, I hope you get the right thing, mm. then it is going to breed that fear. Whereas if, if we change the narrative to be, what a great opportunity you're going to have by finding out your results to see where you may go in the future. And no matter what they come out as, there's always experiences of people ahead of you who've managed to achieve so much with so little results. I mean, and take the greatest entrepreneur of all time, Richard Branson, um, who didn't even get an O-level. An O-level, because they were O-levels in his they day, were. Not, not GCSEs, <laughs> as I'm now properly corrected. It's very interesting because so much is tied in with the A-level results, particularly, and, you know, Siren being based at university, we've got clearing, we've got all those sorts of things going on at the moment. And this thing where you have to put down a first choice and your second choice or your reserve. And if you don't get your first choice, you know, there's that level of expectation in the family. Are you going to go to Oxbridge or to a, a red brick university, but you maybe have to go to a post 92. The pressures are very difficult and that produces fear. And going back to your, your acronym, it's often um, when you then discuss it with your family and they'll say, no, we're just delighted for what it is that you want to do, not what you feel the expectations of your teachers, your school and your peers are. Yeah, and that gets harder. The well, I don't know, maybe it is getting easier for people to have more uh, freedom to choose what they want to do. And I think life is full of opportunity and opportunity always lies in uncertainty. You know, if there's if there's always certainty, then there's no variation. No variation, there's no opportunity. Mm -hmm. um, so I think embracing the fact that if you didn't quite get the results you wanted, actually you've now been left with an opportunity to maybe decide again, um, move into the clearing, take a year out, go actually into a, a vocation or a trade. Um, there's a huge amount of opportunity that lies, even if we didn't get the result we wanted at the first point. And going back to your viewing things from 36,000 feet, of course, Richard Branson, using your other image, he's, he and uh, Mr. Bezos have managed to get into inner Earth orbit and uh, have had a chance to look down. And that is quite What's extraordinary. That? Well, you know, I'm now try trying to be serious rather than flippant. Um, they often say, you know, if you talk to, to astronauts, when they look back at the Earth, they're just completely blown away by it. So, you know, distancing yourself from a situation which you might find unbelievably stressful um, can 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 actually give you a different perspective. And I love the idea of seeing it from the other person's point of view. Um, you know, if you know how hard it is to walk a path, walk in the, the person you're, the footsteps of the person you're, you're challenging. Uh, I've slightly muddled that quote up, but you know where I'm going on it. I know exactly where you're going. And I think if, if you're caught in this situation, it's very reactionary. There's this simple bit of physiology we can all understand. 
the human stress response is only meant to last for a very short period of time. Mm-hmm. It's a defense mechanism to tell us whether we choose to fight or we choose to run. Um, the person who told me this quite interestingly was my wife. Um, <laughs> and she said, this bit of research shows that the, the stress response of a human being is, and is only meant to be 45 seconds. So we're only meant to, you know, have a stressful response to a situation for 45 seconds. So if you can give yourself the grace of a minute and a half, just to think about the situation before you act, your body will naturally start to move towards a, what we call a parasympathetic arrest and digest away from the stress state uh, reaction. And it works. Um, I've, I've tried to tell my wife that a minute and a half after she shouted at me, but um, <laughs> on the most part, it works. So, you know, we have that stress response in, in that 45 seconds. Sometimes we can't control our reactions. Yes. But if we take the time, and it doesn't need to be a long time, just to sit with it before we react, then we can start to lift ourselves higher and higher, see the situation from above or the other person's point of view, and then make a rational uh, decision. I, I love that idea. And thank your wife for coming up with that science, because yes, that when the adrenaline hits and you're wound up, it does dissipate fairly quickly. Um, it's one of the things we teach our broadcasters to try and control their adrenaline to oxygenate their blood supply by breathing deeply. So you, during that 45 seconds, just breathe deeply. So you suppress the reaction, the chemical reaction in your body, which is the fight and flight drug. That's absolutely fascinating. I, I'm, I now have this image. The reason that you're actually in the broom cupboard is that your wife shouted at you just before this broadcast and yeah. you ran away. For 45 no, no, no. seconds. <laughs> so you're now, go back out there and all will be uh, sunshine I just, I, if, if I might, I just want to give your audience th- three simple things they can do. Please do. Uh, because you mentioned the breathing. So if you are in a stress state and you do want to uh, control that, there are three simple things you can do to reset physiology. And you quite rightly said there, Andrew, breathing. So slow breaths, you know, taking four seconds to, to breathe in, to hold, to breathe out, to hold four seconds on each of those cycles. It's called box breathing. And that simply can and reset your physiology. But there are two that are much easier. One of them we see children doing all the time. It frustrates their parents, but it is simple physiology. The sigh. When you sigh, right. it resets your parasympathetic, your rest and digest. The way you can mimic a sigh is two breaths in, one breath out. <sighs> and that resets your physiology. And then the third one is the vacant stare. So if you ever looked up at something and you're not focused on anything, you've got that vacant stare, that is another way of resetting physiology. So deep breathing, a sigh, and just having a vacant stare can be a really good way if you are caught up to just allow your body to calm down. Dr. Tom, thank you so much indeed for being with us here on Siren Radio. It's um, it's simple, it's straightforward, and it's just breathtakingly powerful. Dr. Tom Waller, thank you very much indeed for your time today. Thank you.